Welcome to the unspoken truths of digital leadership, living the leadership values. Our guests will talk about the unspoken truths of leadership, the values, the dark side and the learnings from dealing with conflict with integrity. Discover how they lead more effectively, how they make decisions, how they live their leadership values, and how they deal with the consequences that happen because of the decisions that they make. I am John Opoon, I will be your host of the show. Please note that there may be explicit language used during the interview. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And welcome to another episode of the Unspoken Truths of Digital Leadership, Living the Leadership Values, where our guests will talk about the unspoken truths of leadership, the dark side and the learnings from dealing with conflict from integrity. And today I have a special guest with me, Francisca Cosmond, the CEO and founder of K Productions. Welcome, Francisca. Thank you so much, Jonah. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. I appreciate that time and effort to, to come on. First of all, for those that don't know who you are and what you do, could you introduce yourself? Yes, absolutely. So I started out as a singer and then transitioned into music production. And then to build my audience, I started podcasting. And now I help business owners and entrepreneurs start, launch, and optimize their podcasts. Awesome. And how did you get into um, your singing career? So the joke is, yeah, I was part of a choir and I didn't get enough solos growing up, so I had to become a solo artist. But the long story is I started writing music at a very young age. I went to music school and majored in classical guitar. And um, music was just part of my life that I kept nurturing and I had so many original songs that were coming up. So I decided decided to start recording them and putting out albums and then one just led to the, to the next thing. And what was the journey like um, after graduating from a, a music school? Yeah, the, it was a big crossroad of my life because was it, was I going to pursue music professionally? And the that course of life looks a lot different than pursuing business or trying to, you know, imagine a life where I'd be a mom and a wife and playing in an orchestra doesn't exactly work like that. I'm also uh, Orthodox Jewish. So if you are a classical musician, Friday night, Sabbath, then Saturday is totally out. So it doesn't, you would have to like really work around that. And the classic opportunities aren't, aren't really aligned with a lifestyle for an Orthodox Jew. Okay. And let's go back how to, how your background in, in music, did that come from your your parents from you choosing or your choice, personal choice or in going into music? Um, so I'm one out of seven and our parents wanted each and every one of us to have something that's special to us, that we would have something after school. So music was my natural inclination and my, my parents definitely encouraged me to nurture that. I started playing piano at the age of six and um, I started guitar at the age of 12 in a proper music school. And I had all the extra stuff like music theory and music history, piano, choir. 
And I was also part of the children's school ensemble at my day school. And we sang and danced and acted. We went on tour a few times around the world. So that was definitely a big part of my growing up life. So that was a personal choice that you wanted music. Yes, definitely. Fantastic. That's awesome. It's, it's always lovely to hear that you, your parents encouraged you as well to do your own passion of choice instead of something that they feel, you know, they should push onto you. Well, there's definitely a lot of trying out, I think, um, until you find something that clicks. And for some kids, it's a natural thing. Other kids have to search a little longer because what they're passionate about might not be the classic extracurricular activity available in in a you know school or program mm, absolutely so how did you come into entrepreneurship and business as such yeah so that's my second love and it's been actually brewing at the same time so if anyone knew me as a seven-year-old i was selling things to my peers to my classmates to my friends whether it was doing carnivals and selling tickets to them or running a camp or selling, I would go to the States in the summer and I'd bring kosher candy or chocolates. I'd be selling them for double the price to my friends. <laughs> yeah. So. That's, that's, that's a good sign of, of entrepreneurship when you're selling when you're a kid. <laughs> yes. And then after school, since I did not choose to pursue music professionally post high school, Mm -hmm. I decided to pursue business because that was a practical way of allowing me to continue my creative pursuit. Um, and I was hoping that business would help me figure out my model. It gave me a lot of skills, but figuring out my model came a lot later. And what was the interest in entrepreneurship, if that was even a thing when, when you started? Can you go a little deeper with that question? Was it was it a natural form of saying I'm going to do become an entrepreneur, or was it just something I'm passionate about this, so it's more of a passion project becoming business? Yeah, so I think it's just like the music part of me. It was there, and I also couldn't do anything else. I tried. I had an internship one of my uh, summers while I was in college, and that's my line. I lasted at a nine to five for three months. And after that, I had to find some sort of commission based job where I was able to just have a much more freer lifestyle. So after three months of not already quickly finding out that isn't something you wanted to do, what was your way of going into business? Was it just creating as you went along or discovering what works? So it was a really painful process because if you think about it, when I think back, it was really faith because most people I spoke to, they told me to start a nonprofit organization so I can get donations easily from a, instead of having them to buy. This way they can at least write it off as a donation or if they hired me to perform. So uh, my faith, yeah, did not allow me to go with that. I was like, I don't know how, but I'm going to figure out how to monetize this. And it's been a journey. So yeah, finding my coach who specialized in helping musicians monetize was a big pivotal moment. And then niching down even more uh, to using, you know, my technical skills and coaching skills to help businesses grow using podcasting was 
um, a, a very natural way of combining so many of my skills because I don't just bring the tech side to entrepreneurs. I bring in the whole, I started podcasting because I had very limited audience and I wanted to talk about my music and I wanted to interview other musicians and women in the entertainment industry. And by podcasting, I opened up a whole world for myself. So I'm using use your voice tagline with entrepreneurs who will have a message they want to spread and, and they want to build an audience. They really want to, you know, step into that leadership position and that that place of authority and that that combination of mission oriented, spreading a message and growing an audience alongside with all the awesome tech stuff with it that can be so overwhelming for anyone starting out with a podcast. So that brings all of it together in a nice, pretty package. And how did you come across tech? And um, the, 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 the passion for technology as well. So it's more of a natural thing. Anyone born, you know, in the 90s or 2000s, it's something that you can't get away with. And if anyone there knows what it costs to start producing albums, it was literally keep spending money or you know invest in your own technology teach yourself how to do it and that was where and i did go to studios for a ton of years and now i still outsource a lot of my work just to save time or there's certain expertise i lack skills in and i want my work done on a certain professional level so yeah i'm sitting here in my studio you can't see it here but this has definitely allowed me to continue creating new music and was music something that you just passionate about about spreading happiness or joy or what was it for you that got you into music so it's a double-sided coin whenever uh, i'm i'm wearing my coaching hat with other musicians or artists i you know if it's all about making that impact and being heard it's really not enough to keep going when it's not going so well. So mm -hmm. the only way you keep doing what you're doing is if you cannot stop, literally. If, if you had to shut your mouth, you would be very depressed. You would not be able to go on with your life. So it's really music choosing you and that being a source of really uh, making you alive and allowing you to live your fullest self. So without the having to do that, I would tell you this is the last industry you should be fighting to be in because it's so hard. And how do you overcome the the dark times and the stress and the tension that comes along with pursuing a music career or even in business? So that's the flip side of what I just said. If you are doing this because this is actually your mission or what keeps you alive, then that's then then you don't need all the approval you're not relying on everyone else's approval on the likes on the views to keep going so the more pressure you remove from this all being on the other side and it's all about how do i create the next amazing piece of music how do i create the next incredible podcast episode or panel or whatever else you're creating if you're always just focusing on the creation process that's keeping you alive and that makes you do it then that removes a lot of the stress. It helps put it into perspective and make it secondary. Yeah. And when it does come up, how do you deal with it? 
Well, I love yoga. I did become a yoga instructor as one of my side hobbies. Wow. Just because I wanted to go deeper into the practice. I feel like it's a great way to balance out all the highs and lows. And literally, if you're out on a gig, you're going through such highs and lows that come after the performance. So having something that you're literally, you know, stopping, you're taking full control and um, attention onto your breath, onto your body, and literally, you know, stopping and, and just being in the present moment. It's a very, very useful tool toward um, just staying normal. <laughs> and by normal, I mean sane. <laughs> uh, I love the, the, the spiritual aspect of that. Is there anything else that you do that helps you with dealing with stress and tension and the dark side of thoughts? Well, there's so many things. There's looking for inspiration. I love listening to podcasts, which makes it perfect <laughs> that I'm a podcaster. The worst part is when I'm talking to a client, they're like, well, I don't have time to listen to podcasts, but I want to have a podcast. Great. <laughs> Not sure if this is, you know, a love that's going to keep you going because a podcast, you know, you can be excited and start it. But if you don't keep putting in the love that it needs and the hours and attention, it's not going to have that you know, continuous effect on people. So what else is there? Anything that really helps one reset? It could be, you know, just putting my phone away and hanging out with my kids and focusing on them, which I try to do daily without my phone. Um, what else are you asking? Um, any other processes or any, you know, internal processes that you do? Um, yeah, some people go through the ways of uh, things like for yourself is like creation process, isn't it? You're creating music, you're creating, uh, or you're taking time out for yourself on yoga. Is there any other activities that you that you would use um, to help you de-stress or balance out? So let's say you're sitting down at a project, there's a deadline and you are stressed. Yeah, so mm -hmm. what do I do in that case? Great question. Um, so, the way I don't know if you know about the concept of the zone of genius or the genius zone. Yeah. So please please explain to the audience. For anyone listening, there everyone has their zone of genius, meaning they have a talent or a passion, something they can be doing that allows them to be um sort of outside of themselves and time passes and they don't notice. So think about what do you do? Maybe it's daily or weekly, or maybe very rarely that time just passes by and you're in your element and you're just so alive. That is what you really need to attack. That's that's your zone of genius and that's what you want to do most of. That's where you want to be spending your time on. So for example, if you're extremely stressed out and you know, you know, A, B, for example, producing the track is going to be super exciting for me, but then all the mixing and the editing and everything is stressing me out. I can't even focus on the producing part. How about let me call a producer of mine or I have a bunch of numbers here and message them, say, hey, can you take a track off my hand? I'll just lay down the tracks. I'll give you a few takes. You just, you know, clean it up, make it sound amazing. Um, that's, you know, outsourcing. That's one of my favorite tools because you're able to focus on the areas that you're an expert at or that you are an amazing at. First of all, you're going to save so much time. You're probably going to give it your best because you're not focusing on all the other things that may be draining your energy. And then the project is going to get done. So 
I, I love that because you're really able to zero in on what you're good at and what you enjoy best. And where did that come from, the leadership aspect in terms of managing a team? If you haven't really worked in an office environment or is it from just working in studios and different people? Yes, all my projects from running music videos to create, uh, running events or concerts uh, and even collaborating on musical projects or even podcasts. You know, there's so much that goes into two people showing up at the same time and there being no miscommunication. You know, you take it for granted, but so many things can go wrong. How many times have you been stood up, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, yeah, so it's really, if I had to zero down, it's all about relationships and some sort of emotional intelligence on account of, you know, how, what does this relationship look like and how could you nurture it so you can get the best out of the other person so they can show up as their best self for you, for your project. And it's all about relationships because when you're working with people, you're working with people, not with robots, not with microphones and to engage them in their best self. And, um, it's really an emotional, intelligent aspect of being able to let go whatever you came in with because of whatever came up and I'll give an example I'm talking about showing up for a podcast interview with someone you've been you know looking forward to interviewing for so long and there were tech issues and then this and this went wrong and that went wrong and you the interview starts and you're just like oh my gosh I'm so tired they're so annoying right so you have to like let it all go take a deep breath be all excited imagine like everything worked on the first second and and go with that so leadership really you have to step out of your own self, you know, your ego self, get off that horse and, you know, say thank you, say whatever you need to uplift the other person. If they were having tech issues, they also need to be uplifted. So it's really about gauging the relationships. And sometimes you have five seconds to figure out what your, your relationship is. Where's the other person holding today? Maybe they had a horrible morning and you have to figure it out really fast and go and go with that. And is that something that you've uh, honed in on, on your personal values and things that you believe in, in your faith and stuff like that? Uh, can you go a little more there? More deeper, I would go into how did it come into your personality and be more compassionate and more, empath and more empathetic? Well, I'm, intuitively, it for sure comes from whatever upbringing I have and from Judaism and all these beautiful messages I've been brought up with. But as my business sense kicks in, it's what do I need to do to get the best result here? And that means relying on all kinds of human um, interactions and ideas that you have. D is that answering your question? If I just go a bit deeper, is you're putting a lot of um, human connection, um, I, I find, into the relationship that you build the crossword with. Where did that all start from? Has that always been in you or where you started through from childhood? A hundred percent. So my parents were uh, an open house of sorts. My father is a rabbi. My mother is the, the wife of a rabbi. So that meant every... Sabbath, we had an open house. We didn't know how many guests would show up, would, would show up. And we it, we were the home of the community in a way. Mm -hmm. So being um, 
playing a role of sorts. I, I definitely was playing a role, role growing up and gauging, you know, who's overstaying their welcome or who is being super helpful and nice and who who is, you know, participating and who's draining everyone's energy. That was definitely something I was born into and um, being exposed to so many people um, was definitely in addition to that. That's an interesting question you ask. No, I was just curious because you're, you're talking a lot of human connection in the relationships that you build or work with, um, with people, especially in, in business. You know, you get all sorts of people and different values, different belief systems. Well, um, another thing is, you know, when you're working in a team, let's say you're in a, in a corporate environment, you have your same people around you. So you have you, you have some you have time to rely on. The fact that you've known the people around you for so long, when you are in the entertainment industry or in tech, very often you're you're creating your teams as you go, and you have five minutes to meet them. And I have to work together. That's high stress environment. You know, you're showing up to a photo shoot, and your photographer is um, not sure how to use their equipment, or they're late, or whatever else came up and you've never met them before and here you are in a shoe and you have a babysitter and you're you know pressed for time so that creates a highly stressful environment and dealing with that on a constant basis as that that being your norm or for example working with a music producer with or mixer very often i don't know if anyone here worked with tech people but they <laughs> Do, do not like to work on your time schedules. When there's any tech, when there are any tech issues, it's always something wrong with the computer or with them. Something's wrong with your audio file, not with my, and I always come with, I understand there's a problem and I'm not saying it's your fault, but how do we fix it? Because all I care about is fixing our problem. I don't care if it's your fault or mine or the computers. So, I think the dynamic of, you know, spending 10, 12 years in a relationship where you're constantly working with new people and tech people, uh, that that's, that's something you definitely learn to develop. Uh, you say tech people, but is that more people in a fixed um, way of working or just different type of uh, working style? <laughs> well, you're audio engineer at a concert right? Your microphone squeaking. It's never their fault. It's never their fault. Um, who else? A photographer, a videographer, um, a music producer. Mm, who else? And lighting. Any person who's coming in and filling in a role that you need, and it has something to do with tech, even a PowerPoint presentation. That never works the first time you set it up, does it? <laughs> in interesting perspective there. Because um, I, you know, I come from a tech background as well, so I understand what you mean by it's never or perceived our fault. <laughs> um, I I am a tech background. That's why I'm talking like this about tech people because they're. That's why they're. You know, when we before we started, you sent me, please come on five ten minutes to troubleshoot. I understood that because that's our language. You know, there are there are probably going to be issues which is why we allow ourselves a few minutes extra. But if you're working with an artist or somebody who doesn't understand that or an entrepreneur and they just think you click on and everything works and they're not communicating and they just met the day of the event, the hour it's supposed to start, they're going to be communication issues. That's why I'm saying that. And I feel like 
I've definitely learned to bridge both worlds because I understand the language that tech people have because I'm one of them and I understand the artists and business people perspectives as well. Yeah, that's awesome that you have um, different perspectives because it's so easy to come into a new project and not knowing, you know, the implications of tech and how tricky it can be and if something works or doesn't work. Uh, why is that? And with pressful time, then that it's stressful environment. Absolutely. And <laughs> so when you come into business, is that an area that you've always been passionate about with um, in terms of your mission for K Productions? How did you come to having a mission for, for what is your mission for K Productions even? Yeah, so my mission is really using your voice or feeling empowered to use your voice because every business owner doesn't just have a business model. They have a business mission. They have a message they want to spread. And podcasting is such a unique way of spreading a message because you have a real audience. People who keep coming back to listen to you. They trust you. You are with them when they're driving. You are with them when they're folding their laundry, when they're cooking dinner, when they're cleaning. You are in their bathrooms. You have a very intimate relationship. They fall asleep listening to you. Do you know what I'm saying? You don't have that when people are watching TV and there's a five-minute, five-second ad and they have to connect with their audience. There's a level of trust and there's a level of real communication and impact to be made. And it's so empowering to to help people use this tool and this platform to share their messages in such a powerful way. They really get to be who they are on these platforms because there's time and there's space for that. How did you come to your mission or discover your mission even? Yeah, so I think we started, we touched upon this earlier before. So I started singing and I don't think I mentioned this, but female orthodox singers have a very tough place in the industry, especially if you're singing Jewish music, because Jewish orthodox men or Jewish men are prohibited from listening to a female voice, which means that Jewish women do not have weddings or bar mitzvahs or any of these events to even perform at because they're mixed audiences and they can't have the men listening to the women. So you have half the market kicked out. I know your face is like, oh my God. What's yeah, that? I'm just like, wow, interesting. I never knew this. This is fascinating. This is indeed fascinating. So the fact that I became a singer and I had basically no one to listen to me and how am I going to spread my music? So I, it was very, very hard for me and depressing because I was putting so much into my music and it's something I had to do. It wasn't about people listening. So I began searching by interviewing other women in the entertainment and arts industry to start doing some research, basic research. But by doing this, I started to build an audience and build a market for all of us. So it's been such an incredible journey and it's podcasting has been probably my number one tool in being able to express my music and finding a platform for my music because my listeners go and listen to my music after I'm able to share my story or other people's stories and and it leads them to their music or their work their books and their dances and their visual arts so it this has been such a transformative and life-changing tool for me as a singer and as a person and as a business owner. It my mission translates to really helping other business audience business owners 
bridge that gap of you know being a business and then having their audience to really connecting to their audience and having a relationship. Wow. So your own personal mission from finding your own voice or having your voice heard was driven to you to create your, your vision now that, that you have now. Yes, absolutely. How was it like finding and going through this process as well? You know, it, it must be, have been challenging um, with that kind of culture, uh, I'm sure. As, as with all cultures, you know, we all have a different challenges as, as well, I'm sure. So what was it like not being able to sing? Or not being able what to was sing? it like not to, you know, to go through the process of not being heard or having your audience halved in, in, in such? So it led me on a quest. I started doing more research. Um, the great part about Judaism, it does evolve. It evolves. Jewish law evolves just like everything else evolves. Technology was a savior for me because there are rabbis who hold that recorded music is not considered a live voice. Therefore, it is permitted. So there are plenty of Jewish men who hold by that. There are plenty, like my father-in-law, who does not, so he has never heard me sing. But there are, my your biological family is allowed to listen to you sing. So my, my father has heard me sing. That's why he's not an example. So when I put my music out there, uh, I created, I love this part of my branding, I call myself peanut butter. So if you are allergic to peanut butter and you are someone who does not hold that, recorded music is allowed and permitted, then stay away because you are allergic to it. But if you do listen to female music, female voices, then you can proceed with caution or proceed as you will, because the prohibition as law is, is not on the woman to not sing. The prohibition is on the man not to hear a woman's voice. And once you go and start studying what that means, a woman's voice could be speaking as well. So it has become interpretation of singing. But again, everything is up to interpretation and finding your rabbi or finding rabbis that you can live with the interpretations and it makes sense to you and it, you're able to you know, still be a healthy human being and follow Jewish law to your best ability is extremely important. And I, I didn't ask this one, but what is rabbi? Mean. Um... Yeah. So a rabbi is a Jewish leader, a Jewish authority of sorts. Okay, okay. Yes. So, um, and and some people just call anyone rabbi, you know, anyone with a beard <laughs> and a hat. They'll, but really, it's somebody who has had the training, many years of Talmudic training, and um, they have authority to interpret a law, Jewish law. Wow, I did not know about yeah you know, that about yeah you know, your culture your culture that you have, um, especially that law of that the men not allowed to uh, listen or hear the woman's voice. That's very very uh, interesting. <laughs> it's very new for me, um, mainly because I don't really have much uh, Jewish uh, friends. I would, I would say, um, so I don't really hear about it so it's always interesting to to hear um such stories that come across what Just, how did you sorry go ahead, go ahead. 
please go ahead. Okay. I was going to add, there are converts and there are women, Jewish people who did not grow up being, you know, observing Jewish law. And then they chose that as an adult lifestyle for themselves. They, they gave that up. So many of my interviewees on my podcast have gone through that transition. They have actually experienced being on a stage in front of everyone and then, you know, saying no to that and doing that as a place of choice for me was something I grew up with. So I find that even more, you know, fascinating to listen to because they went into it knowing what it is. But if you listen to the episodes, anyone here listening to them, they, they're happy they gave that up. They see beauty in it. They can, they talk about it a lot. Personally, I don't know. I, I don't necessarily, um, you know, feel that beauty that they talk about. It makes sense, some of it. But I, I still find it a struggle. Like, I, anyone who knows me and my brand, I don't say, oh, it's so beautiful, you know, modesty. And, you know, I embrace it. I love it. For me, it's extremely challenging. I'm open about it. And I keep, you know, questioning, I keep, you know, finding out what's okay and what's not, what are people, what, what's something that just became tradition because people were comfortable with it versus what actually do I have to do or what do I, what I cannot do. So it's a constant balance. It's a constant search. I'm not just taking it in and saying, you know, it's beautiful. I'm just taking it as it is. And to, to be, you know, a good abiding Jewish observant person you don't have to love it you just have to keep it so i'm supporting all the people who are doing the things even if it's hard for them so it sounds um this is where conflict with integrity um comes into it is are you willing to do things that are true to yourself but not true to your beliefs or you know religion yeah so um, we, so I'm, it sounds like you have a, a huge conflict with every time you're trying to create something or do something there's a, a limitation that you're restricted um in terms of doing so in an underlining way absolutely but i do use the online platform because i am allowed to use it mm. i and i go with that like i'm not trying to grow my performing um career i'm not trying to perform in girls schools or girls camps because that's not a growth path that i'm interested in because of the limitations and online the online presence has much bigger growth potential for me so that's where i'm focusing my energy on interesting so there's a loophole there's a loop way or loophole that you can go through to create still create your passion and do what you love doing and i'm glad you found it because otherwise you wouldn't be here <laughs> especially <laughs> sharing what your story um, many others would be able to to learn from it as well Yes, it is my pleasure. <laughs> Thank you for sharing, by the way. So your legacy that you're creating, let's talk about um, what is it you want to leave behind? I mean, you're creating something right now um, in terms of what you share, your story, um, I'm sure is a huge inspiration to many. What legacy would you like to leave behind? That's a great question. Because, you know, I have my spit out answers for you, you know, my music, my podcast, but what what's really important to me and what really lights me up is when other people are able to reach their potential or just go after their potential or their passions, 
because of something I said or did or showed or spoke about. And it on my podcast, I do a monthly series where I interview survivors of abuse. Mm-hmm. That's completely unrelated from the arts. But if you think about it, I go to the lowest of the low in terms of where people don't have a platform to to be. And that, for example, is, you know, if you're a survivor of abuse, go ahead, talk about whatever you want. Just don't talk about your abuse. If you are a female orthodox, you know, singer, great, be who you are. You just can't really make a career out of it because it doesn't make sense financially. All, all of these things combined, uh, and it could be any business owner really who doesn't feel like their story fits in with their business, or sharing, being open about their personal opinions. So that's really the connection between everything I'm doing because it's really bringing yourself and your passions and I'm empowering them to, to share that, to use their voice, to grow their business with their voice altogether and what got you into empowering others well i guess that's something that just started happening you know if if jewish singing is not the regular thing to do female singing and then suddenly you start popping out music videos here and there suddenly there are 16 and 17 year olds suddenly there are other women out there you know if she's doing it and she is orthodox and nobody's you know even though I did get shunned out of certain publications who did not want to write about me because of how out there I was. And for more sheltered communities, they don't want to show that as a role model type of activity and career. So I have definitely been making this ripple effect on other women. And I'm not the only one in this industry. Fortunately, there are so many other women and so many have been pursuing this as a result. So there's a wave. I don't know if I'd be able to do this if I was really the only one, but we, we have a strong cohesion here and we're, we're moving forward. And I think that of in itself is empowering. When you see someone with you know that conflict who still goes forth and continues to pursue their passion, it's inspiring to watch. I see other people doing it. That's where I get my inspiration from. Always. Uh, I think we rip off each other. Um, in terms of how, what impact we want to leave behind and what inspiration we want to be to others and what influence, you know, what positive influence we want to, we want to, to be to others, especially with platforms that we are so privileged to have and use, uh, especially on the online world that we have now, like this podcast, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be reaching to thousands of people across the world, right? You know, potentially and connect with those who need to hear what you've got to say and and the stories that you're that you're sharing and the challenges that you have i'm sure you know you're not the only one and many others are facing the same challenge but have not found that that loophole (laughs) to get their message or their voice heard so thank you for for sharing that (laughs) and let's could we go into a bit more about your background in terms of how you build or overcome adversity in your, especially with cultural religion and restrictions that you have to be uphold to? So do you, are you talking about resisting judgment? 
or fear of judgment is that what you're talking about going re resilience of building um judgment you know how to handle judgment from others in you know who disapprove of what you do or don't you know don't really agree with what you do because you're so out there how do you overcome those adversities okay so the easy answer is um you first you you go into your little cave and you cry and you just you know <laughs> you do all the things you need to do to just process what it feels like it doesn't feel good when people judge you for the first time or people tell you you know if you're i can't imagine knowing your parents i can't imagine what you're doing you must be disgraced you know all that stuff i've gotten an email like that more than once so First, first, you got to process that, you know, I'm not going to tell you deny, jump over, blah, blah, blah. You have to really um, do the work. You can't step any of the processes. And then after that, you have to remove yourself from that. You know, ask yourself, what is your mission? Where are you going? Why are you doing this? How strong is your why? Because if your why is very strong, you're going to jump over this. Find inspiration from people who are like-minded who are doing something that's harder than them or bigger than them. Remove, you know, unfollow, block, do whatever you need to do to get rid of any negative energy around you. If, if your, you know, parent or your spouse is telling you, you know, stop doing that, it, you're a waste of time, you're a waste of, maybe you're in an abusive relationship, you know? Maybe you need to see your mother a little less often happens to be that's something i've been so blessed with and so fortunate i'm so grateful my support system has been definitely the number one pillar of me being able to pursue at the rate of been able to pursue things because when i had to sit in my cave i knew my husband was taking care of whatever needed to be needed to be taken care of i knew he was going to be there for me when i'd come out of it and say it's gonna be fine you're not a disgrace to me <laughs> um but you you have to just jump over, you know, at sitting in a coaching session or working with a client when they're like, but that person just, you know, got They just posted about having, you know, 10,000 downloads on their podcast. How do I, you know, you're never going to get anywhere if you put yourself in a line of your all the rat race. If, you know, you're not, you're not one of them. You are somewhere else. You're, you're beyond that. Focus on what you need to focus on. Once you start comparing yourself to other people, that's just toxic energy. That's not going to get you anywhere. And you have to remove yourself from any sort of comparison. Only think about other people when it comes to what can you get out of them? What are they inspiring you with? What are they helping you grow with? And not of, oh, they got that like and I didn't or they're getting so much more engagement because it's just a spiral of never ending you know it's a self-fulfilling prophecy if you start looking at followers and start go to all your social media platforms i promise you there are going to be so many people who have more than you and that's just a terrible way i mean in business that's not practical you have to focus on what you can do what are your you know weekly goals monthly goals quarterly goals and that's it that's all you need to focus on interesting What other, um, you talked about the, the process of uh, removing negative energy. Is there any other things that you do other than yoga? Well, 
I know you're going outside and trying to find outside things that I do to remove negative energy, but when anyone is talking to you and they're being disrespectful, you have to just be aware at the moment or start mm. practicing to be aware. Oh, this person is draining my energy. How about I tell them I have to get off the phone or, oh, I have another Zoom call coming up. This is toxic for me. This is not good. And literally shutting off whatever is draining your energy. So, and I do this all the time from people writing bad, you know, comments that you might want to block these people to people, you know, just the other day I wrote something about, and I mentioned formula, which is, I don't know if you know what formula is, you feed babies with form, this powder, you put water into it. Mm -hmm. So it had nothing to do with my formula was just my metaphor. And I got a message, you know, you should really be breastfeeding. And, you know, there's just every day somebody's going to be telling you something. And if you're not removing, first of all, you have to be aware this person is draining my energy. And you'd be surprised with my colleagues how many of them drain your energy. And you're working on a project together. You can't just say bye bye. You know, there are deadlines and there are projects and you need them. You, you, have, to, you have to control the conversations. So they stay focused on what needs to be spoken about. And anytime we're going off topic or anything that comes up that's extremely draining, being aware and limiting that is, is very crucial. And then you get off the phone, you know, take a deep breath, maybe take a piece of chocolate cake. <laughs> but just being aware of when it's happening is key to not allowing it to just take over your day. So huge self-awareness needed. Awesome. Otherwise... Otherwise, you're living on two separate, you know, you can't be a monk meditating all day to, to get rid of your negative energy. I mean, you're welcome to do that, but you can't run a business at the same time. And if you want to do both, you have to really bring that monk self-awareness, medit meditative state into your everyday life. And that's super hard, but that's where I'm going at. <laughs> awesome. Fantastic. And if there was uh, anyone that was looking to get started with a podcast or not sure how, how can they connect with you or find out more about what you do? Awesome. Yes, I have a website, franciscacosman.com, and they could go on there and read more about and then book a call. Awesome. And if they w wanted to get started but don't know how, what advice would you suggest or get started in a way? So num the number one advice is don't start Googling, YouTubing, Instagramming, TikToking, what to do, how to start, because that is going to guarantee you <laughs> waste a million hours of your life. If you want to actually do something about it, get on a call with me, sign up with someone who offers the service where they will efficiently help you get started. Because with podcasting, especially, which is such a new industry, there's such an overflow information so much of it is not even controlled yet and you don't even know what's good or what's not because it's so new go to the experts let them save you time and get you started in the most optimized way fantastic thank you very much for your time and your wisdom i really appreciate the everything that you shared thank you so much this was so fun thank you for listening to the unspoken truths of digital leadership I hope you found this interview insightful and useful. Please remember to subscribe and review the podcast. And if you have found it useful, please feel free to send it and share it to your network as I will be very appreciative. 
that it will spread and help out more people in the world. If you would like more information or the show notes and resources that I will be providing you, then please go to www.johnopoon.com, go to the blog and find the podcast section. Step up, show up and stay up. Take care.